What if going forward, I'm just entirely played by an air horn? I'd say it was a big improvement. Everyone would right? be like, hey, why does Sean know so much about wrestling now? Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> uh, I'm good. How are you? It is. It, it wasn't really hot here today. It's like we have high wind warnings. So it's been like 60 to 80 mile an hour winds all day. Um, it was hot the other day, I guess. But today was just like kind of cold and windy. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad as always that you're staying cool, Sean. <laughs> and next up, we have Ethan Wall. Speaking Our- of cool guys, oh. what's up? <laughs> you actually- well, but also speaking of hot places, because you're still in Florida, right, Ethan? That is right. I'm still here in Delray, Florida. It's been hard to leave. I'll probably hit the road again next week. But for dinner tonight, I was at the Whale's Rib. One of our favorite spots. So good to be wait, here. Wait, 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 wait. You went into a restaurant and ate in a restaurant? Oh, I did. Yeah. Here was the thing. I even pulled up to the place, right? And I had forgotten my mask. And I'll never it's like <laughs> it's like instinctual. I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do now? And they just handed me a mask and I got to walk into the restaurant. I got to order a beer. I got to eat some lobster, and it was great. I got to pay for my food and and, and go home around other people. It's awesome. I love me some whale's rib, though, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we do have some wrestling to talk about this week, as always. But, um, you know, we've been learning about our buddies' uh, wrestling fandom and their history uh, watching this stuff. And in those conversations, we've got to learn – we got to get into our own fandoms a bit and touch upon our histories with this unique form of entertainment. But it's mostly been just like in bits and pieces and kind of here and there. So I thought this week – and in later future installments, we could switch things up a little bit and get to know some more about one of the three of us. One of our dude brood, as I like to call the three of us. <laughs> if we're the dude brood, who's who's which Ethan? Are you Gangrel? I'd I, like to think so because I'm the leader of this dude brood. But, um, but I, mean, I think... I don't know. It could be more edge. I think you're Gangrel and Sean is definitely Christian. I agree. I agree on all of those. That's exactly how I saw it. Hey, right. I'm no, no, Jewish. No, no, it's good. No, no. <laughs> Dave and Gangrel definitely share a dad bod. Um, For sure, and, burgers. Yep. I'm like the, I'm the tall, handsome, chiseled one of the group with the most potential and talent. Um, it's but true. Sean's, Sean's kind of the the brains, the one on the mic. He's kind of the, the funniest the, one. Yes, the clever one that like gets the entire crowd behind him. Uh, so yeah, I think the dude brood works. Do I ever do any cool ladder matches? 
Hell yeah, Edge, Edge and Christian, fucking yeah, that's uh, true. They had a the, good run. They probably we, had the we, best ladder matches in history. Yeah, we we watched some of those together, Sean. Remember when Jeff Hardy went off the cab? That was. Well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, this week we're going to start off with our very own Christian, but he's Jewish, um, and learn more about our buddy Sean. And this will be one of the more funny things, unique interviews ever, because as I ask Sean about his fandom, I think I'm going to be a lot of times chiming in with with his answers because I remember his life more than he does. And True. It'll be a little, yeah, I'll be giving him hints True. about his own life to piece together. He will. So, yeah. he so will. Nutshell, Dave is going to be interviewing Sean about Dave's recollection of what Sean would say about the answer <laughs> that Dave would be asking him. Save that for the ep- Save that for the episode description. <laughs> it's true. Well, hey, man, <laughs> welcome to the show, Sean DePasquale. You guys, you guys know that I'm gonna put some like ska music on as my intro, right? Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Sean, so Sean, you, you, you hate when I introduce you. You hate when I do intros to you so much that we just stop doing intros. But in the spirit of everyone getting to know you better. Um, you are, of course, an editor for Screen Rant. You're also um, a screenwriter, a seasoned film and TV critic. What seasoning would that be, Sean? Paprika. Paprika. <laughs> um, and uh, a, a multi-talented comic book creator. You're a writer. You're an editor. You're a letterer. Um, I think you've been a cover designer. So you've done it all there. Um, and chief create, you were the chief creative officer of Macaulay Culkin's Bunny Ears and producer of his podcast. Um, so yeah, so that's who Sean is, right, Sean? Uh, this anything? feels like this feels like uh, like this is your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Sean. Ethan gave you COVID. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the real trip? <laughs> You'd be like, and now we got on the line your ex-girlfriend from sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, Call again from Fort Lauderdale Penitentiary. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but so, Sean, tell our audience, which you sent me some stats. You know what? Surprising. I'm not saying it's surprisingly big, but more than more listens than I thought we had. Um, yeah. So in the spirit of all of those people getting to know a little bit, I'd like to know yeah. a little bit more about you as a as a person, um, your hobbies, your interests, your passions. Uh, what yeah. kind of things are you into besides wrestling, which you're no. not really specifically into that much these days? No. I mean, it's fine. I love doing this. I was just talking to someone about my interest level in wrestling and its correlation to my enjoyment of doing this podcast. And I was like, I don't really think one has to do with the other. The, like the podcast's not really about like recapping what's happening in wrestling. It's literally just about sure. talking about wrestling stuff with my friends and that's what we're doing. So, you know, whatever. Um, but I mean, I, I do, I really like watching the pay-per-views. I especially like watching them when we can like watch them, you know, together virtually, whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but like other than that i don't know i play a lot of video games i write a lot um i love comics and i love uh detective novels i like crime fiction um i like ska music oh yeah you you know i mean but like as just like a thing i've always liked i i like a lot of kinds of music when i'm writing i listen to jazz um so i don't know like those are my main interests though i watch a lot of tv i love tv um you like jazz cigarettes i used to oh no jazz cigarettes yes i do still like jazz cigarettes (laughs) <laughs> I thought you meant smoking cigarettes while listening to jazz. And I was like, yes, I did used to like that very much <laughs> Not anymore. Now I hate it because that's what they told me. <laughs> well, that is a great, that is a great sum. I approve as your fact checker. I approve that summary of who you are. That was very Thank good. You. <laughs> Thank, you. But, Thank you. But in wrestling with wrestling, um, what is your earliest memory of wrestling. Do you have that? Yeah. So my, my like first memory of wrestling would be my great grandfather, Bernard uh, Herman, who was like a fan of professional wrestling. And I was like, Oh, he likes professional wrestling. It was just like one of the first things I learned about him. And then I would watch it with him when I was, this was probably like 1983 or four. Is this, so is this was your mom's grandfather? It's my mom's grandfather. Yeah, my wow. mom's grandfather. Um, and yeah, and so I would watch it as a he uh, he was a World War um, two vet too. So hell yeah, good guy, good guy. Um, but yeah, I basically Jews uh, fighting the Nazis. Yeah, I got interested in it through him, and then I can remember the first time I like seeked out my own thing was in a video store. They had like a wrestling section. And at that point, I don't really remember. I think maybe um, No Holds Barred was my first awareness of Hulk Hogan. And it was uh-huh. definitely that in combination with knowing about wrestling stuff that I was like, oh, I'm going to watch a WrestleMania and because they had all the WrestleManias. And so I think I picked up like either one or two. It may have been two because I feel like one was probably popular and checked out a lot. Um, but like I grabbed two and like took it home and yeah. And it was also like Mr. T I think drew me to wrestling as well. There was like that weird Mr. T connection with Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. Stay big time. Like Mr. T just spoke to me as a child in the eighties. Like I was just like, I love this dude in the same way that the first time you see Hulk Hogan back in those days, you think the same way. Uh, so to see them just like and slaughter, I will say slaughter. Look, whatever they were doing with putting oh, yeah. wrestlers in pop culture and getting them to like children's cartoons worked because I was like, I love all of these characters and they're real people and I can watch them do stuff. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, did that, I yeah. was going to ask you, Sean. Didn't you? Uh, did you ever watch the WWF cartoon show growing up? Did that have yes. anything to do with your introduction into wrestling? Hulk, no, Hulk that Hogan's was after- Rocket Wrestlers. Hulk Hogan's yeah, Rocket Wrestlers, baby. That was after I was already introduced to wrestling as like a thing. Then it was like, oh, now there's a wrestling cartoon that I can watch. This is awesome. And like that got me action figures because then they made like rock and wrestling action figures. And, um, you know, but I remember as a kid being disappointed that rock and wrestling didn't have more wrestling in it. Uh-huh. 
like feeling like, well, I don't want to see them like on adventures. The fuck is this? <laughs> I, I remember, I remember watching Rock and Wrestling, you know, as a kid and being annoyed that Andre the Giant was a good guy and, and Hulk Hogan's best friend still. When like it was the build for WrestleMania three, and I was like, this show's out of date. <laughs> you know. Well, that was the other aspect of it that bothered me was like, if you're going to show me adventures, at least have it aligned with like the thing that always drew me to that with animation back then. Of course not. But I didn't know that as a kid. So like as a kid, it was like, well, the thing I like about wrestling is is the storylines. I like the interactions and the storylines that are developing. So if I'm going to watch a cartoon, I want to see some type of extension of those. And the cartoon wasn't, I mean, obviously wasn't really that at all. Um, but do yeah, you know? Yeah. Do you know who did? Do you know who did the voice of Hulk Hogan on that show, guys? Was it um, the guy who did the voice of Garfield the Cat? No, it was not. It was not the uh, poor man's Peter Vinkman. Uh, the poor man's Bill Murray. <laughs> so who was it? It was um, from Raymond. Uh, Everybody loves Raymond. It's Brad Garrett. Hello, Raymond. Raymond, hello, oh, hello. that actually makes a lot of sense. He was Hulk Hogan's voice. Yeah, brother, you can't get me, brother. Listen, brother, I'm too busy. I'm doing rails and banging and clanging the weights. I'm not doing the cartoon. So they said <laughs> you could have done the cartoon with a, with that impression. No, but I was three. I didn't. I didn't have that voice then. It's just like here's a, here's a random episode description. Ten wrestlers, five from each side, go on a cruise, but they are kidnapped ah. one by one. <laughs> what? I mean, I would watch. I would watch that show if it was on the WWE Network and they used real wrestlers and like they had wrestling in that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> like the the camera pans to the right and then it pans back to the other corner and the tag team partner is gone kidnapped <laughs> mid-match like there's no one to tag to no one knows where he goes <laughs> this, this is getting solved by the fucking the scooby-doo and the mystery crew <laughs> the, the future of cinematic matches is hulk hogan's rock and wrestling that's what we're saying um i although that said i do want to watch amazon's just want to have fun which is an episode in which mean gene charters a private plane for the wrestlers and it crashes in a jungle (laughs) (laughs) i want to watch that was so bad oh man mean gene love you wait did all the wrestlers voice their own voices except for no no one voiced anything you'd think that they would nope not a single one. The cast consisted of Brad Garrett, Charles Adler, who, by the way, was the voice of Buster Bunny from Tiny Toons, James Avery, Jody Carlisle, George Dicenzo, oh, Ron Feinberg. Oh, yeah. It's like all voice actors. There was not a single. <laughs> well, Brad Garrett, though, went on to Yeah. The act. series finale of the show found Rowdy Rowdy Piper getting hypnotized and acting nice while the Hulkster is visited by his three nephews who cause trouble for him. Oh my I want to know who Hulk's in canon three nephews are. <laughs> oh my and God. I remember that bring one. Them into, that's what, how you bring Hulk Hogan into wrestling is you introduce his in canon three nephews from the cartoon. You, you cast like three wrestlers well, to like play his nephews. And they're know all one of his- we know one of Hulk Hogan's nephews from wrestling. Of course, he was NWO scrub Horace Horace Hogan, also known as Horace Boulder. Mm. Horace Hogan, his nephew. Was he a so, nephew? 
Yeah, he was his nephew. Ethan, you remember Horace Hogan, right? Yeah, I'm Googling him right now. Oh, <laughs> come on. If you don't remember if you don't remember NWO scrub jobbers from the nineties with me, who who else will? He's got like the stone cold Steve Austin black vest, but with no skulls, nothing on it. It just looks bad. Oh yeah, you're right. Horace Mania. He looks like <laughs> he looks like um like Prince Albert without any of the yeah, tattoos right. or piercings. But if his you, name wasn't Horace. Or Hale. Nephew, one of the nephews wasn't called Horace in the cartoon, so he's not canon. He doesn't count. I mean, maybe he grows up to be, you know, he grows, changes, all right, changes his name, you know? I'm going to cut all this out. We went off way off topic here. What were we talking about, even? How do well, we get on Rock well, and Wrestling? Because you, t- Ethan asked about Rock and Wrestling, and we had a lot oh. of thoughts about it. <laughs> right, right, um, okay. <laughs> um, Sean, but I wanted to, I had a quick question about, about, Great grandpa Bernard. Yeah. Do, do you know pop 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 yep. Bernard pop pop. <laughs> do you do you know who any of his favorites were? Do you remember? Yeah. So his favorite was um, was uh, Gorgeous George. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! That was his guy. Like that was the first name I ever heard in wrestling was Gorgeous George. And I do remember. I can tell you that like. When I started to get into it, he was at the point where he was lamenting that wrestling had changed from what he really uh, liked about it. So that's where like I picked up and I was like, I don't understand. It's awesome. And he was like, nah, it didn't used to be like this. It wasn't so goofy. He was like very mad that it had gotten very goofy as of late <laughs> in his words. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that's, that crazy? That's awesome. And that's like, I mean, that's special. It's special yeah. memory. It's really cool. It's it's really cool. And and because I, I can remember being like, I don't, at the time I didn't understand. And I thought like, well, without the stuff that I like about wrestling, it would be boring. Like, what did he like exactly? You know? And uh, I think he really liked, I think he really liked when it was more sport and less spectacle and the kayfabe was much stronger at that point, you know? Because not that they didn't still they weren't like they are now <clears throat> by like the mid to late eighties. But like, if you were an adult, you could probably look at it and be like, this is not real. WWF was a lot of gimmicks then. Yeah, for sure. Very good. Yeah. Well, this is consistent with my grandma, Gammy, Ooh. who used to watch wrestling. She thought until her last days that professional wrestling was real. And her favorite was Bruno San Martino, another non gimmicky type wrestler. So I think wrestling probably did just become more gimmicky as you got into the eighties and less, you know, of the belief that these real fighters are, are duking it out every single week. So that makes sense. So it's funny on that, on that same note, my father-in-law, uh, Marty Shepsman, great guy. He's, you know, a 65 year old Jewish man. And he says, not a wrestling fan by any definition, but tells me the same thing that when he was a kid, he, he went to the garden. And as he described it, he said, this is this is before it was WWE. This is when it was real. I saw Bruno San Martino versus Killer Kowalski, and I'm like, "Oh, Marty, do I have some news for you?" Kowalski, <laughs> Kowalski is another one. That was another one of uh, of Pop Pops. Was Kowalski? 
So Pop-Pop loved the heels. Yeah, yeah. No, I think what he loved, I mean, because keep in mind, I, I'm explaining that. I don't know who I'm explaining this to, but, you know, Gorgeous George wasn't like a gimmick. He was just like a handsome guy. And like, that was, they were just like, ah, oh, he's Gorgeous George. Like, no, I mean, he, he was like the first gimmick teal. He had the perfume. But he was you. like super, yeah, he, but like he was, you know, he was, but like the gimmick still wasn't as apparent because it was just like oh he's just like this really handsome guy who's got like all this stuff and like you know it's fun to hate this guy (laughs) (laughs) uh and then uh yeah i mean i think that by the time you start getting to the hogan years um and like you know roddy reddy piper (laughs) it does start to become more like they start to become more outlandish characters than ever before yeah, no, no, I can see that, especially comparatively to Killer Kowalski, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's you know he actually killed people, as we know. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think with wrestling, like you know, we could trace when you watched it, then when you learned into it, then when you got into it again. Yeah. What, how would you chart that for you? Um, I've watched probably consistently from like the late eighties until the early two thousands, probably somewhere around 2001 to 2003 or four. And then I fell off and then got back on probably in 2000, I think like 13 ish for a while and then kind of fell off again and then started again when AEW started like in earnest. What in in LA? I know you were pretty actually very uh, pretty close to the very close to like a lot of the LA indie scene. Did you ever go to any of those like pro wrestling guerrilla events or? Never. I met all of those guys just as friends of friends, um, and never really knew any of them as wrestlers outside of just knowing like, oh, these guys are you know they're giant guys, and so you're like, what do you do? (laughs) You know. but no, I never, I never went to any of those events. Not a single one, actually. Okay. Well, yeah. I feel uh, bad now that I never went, but um, like I, I, like I wish I had got made more of an effort to go. But it just like it just didn't work out, and I was, I, I don't know, it, it didn't really pull me in the same way um, at the time. Now yeah. I look back and I'm like, oh man, I should have done those. Those were super fun. Yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to be like super special sometimes when it's going on. Um, right. afterwards, but like, yeah, the, those seem fucking rad. And you know, I think they're still, I think they're still uh, doing shows in one way or another, especially yeah. after COVID. So, and they still have, you know, good, pretty good roster. So maybe yeah. you'll have a chance to to go in the future. Hopefully, yeah. So, um, who is your first favorite? Like. <clears throat> Um, I mean, heartbreakingly so, my first favorite was definitely Hulk Hogan. You know, like, I, I mean, I, as much as anyone else, was a Hulkamaniac. Like, he was great. Yeah. And, like, you know, it was uh, definitely a time, especially in the 90s in our country, where, like, patriotism was, like, sold so hard, especially in South Florida. <laughs> um, <laughs> So like, you know, I was like, yeah, this guy's great. And he's like, loves America. And I love GI Joe, you know? And like, I like, I was into it. Um, and then like, you know, we've talked about this on, on episodes, but like warrior, uh, definitely was at the top. I mean, I can remember, uh, having my birthday party during the warrior Hogan, 
uh, WrestleMania. And that was like the best thing ever, you know? That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, and then <clears throat> in the later yeah. years, obviously like Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, like really like make their way up there and stuff <coughs> too. Hell yeah. Well, um, your favorite, your favorite notwithstanding, who in your opinion, who's the GOAT? Like who's the greatest of all time to do it? I mean, I think technically, I really think that Bret Hart was like a technical master at wrestling. He was really good at what he did. But mm -hmm. I think from a performance standpoint, I think The Rock may be the best wrestler of all time on a performing level. Like, man, I don't, I have yet to see and can't remember anyone short of maybe Hogan in his heyday who worked crowd the way like The Rock could work a crowd. And the and the Rock took play took part in like, well, actually, you know, he had a a, a legendary match with Hulk Hogan. At yeah, he straddled kind of both eras. But, I feel like. Well, yeah, he got to cross over that '90s era, but oh, yep. I mean, that was a dream match of the generations. But like, the Rock, you know, as an in ring performer, is you know way above way above gets way more credit than Hogan does as like you know yep. as a as a worker. Um, so to me, I agree with you that The Rock, like when you factor in some of the, you know those amazing matches he had with Austin, at, you know, that amazing trio of matches at WrestleMania, and his mic skills, I think The Rock's The Rock's the best. And 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 his uh, his likability overall, his sellability, like he's a handsome guy. Every, you know, it's like the whole he, package. You know, he, yeah, and and then that ultimately, when you're talking about literally the greatest. It's like I think all that stuff factors, you know. Who who do you put on the uh, professional wrestling Mount Rushmore? Rock, um, I would say probably Mankind, or <laughs> <laughs> you know, this gives us a lot of insight. Okay, you have you have Mankind, you got the Dream Rock, Love, yeah, we got the uh, Rock and Sock, we got the Rock and Sock connection. Yeah, the Rocket Sock Connection. Um, I'd put Stone. How many do you get on Mount Rushmore? Four you or get five? Four. You get four. Oh, uh, Stone Cold uh -huh. and uh, Bret Hart. Oh, there you go. Yeah, with his glasses. Hell yeah, with his glasses. So yeah. you would put a Canadian on Mount Rushmore, is what you're saying. Yeah, because I don't. It's, yeah, it's not even like an impressive. No. You know what? Speaking of Mount Rushmore, have you guys ever been? No, but I say fuck Mount Rushmore. Like, yeah, I have to I, sound anti-American because I'm not, but like, fuck Mount Rushmore. Like, right. it's some bullshit. I know it's land we stole from the natives and it's smaller than you would think, right? Yep. Well, uh, it's not that it's smaller than you would think. So there are all these, I spent, I spent about 12 months driving across the country last year. And as part of it went to a ton of national parks, a ton of national monuments, Every national park or national monument is something you can immerse yourself in for hours and hours in either the nature, the culture, the history. When you get to Mount Rushmore, you can't spend more than 15 minutes there. You park in a parking garage, you walk down like a small, I don't know, bridge, and you look at the the Mount Rushmore from like, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000, you know, 3,000 yards away. Like you're not even close to it. You can't touch it. You can't get near it. All you can do is stand there and take pictures or stand there and take selfies. It's the most, I think I read that it took 15 years to build it and it will take you no more than 15 minutes to experience yeah, it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just like a ridiculous, like overindulgent, like unnecessary monument to 
like it was it's just needless like it's it's not it's needless i i don't know how we i don't know i i mean how much time do you want to spend on Mount Rushmore? No, 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 no. So yeah, I don't like to do Mount Rushmore. I like to do top fives, like top who's top five of all time. Like you do in hip hop. Like all right, well, if I get one more than the Undertaker, Undertaker. I love how you have mankind above the Undertaker. I, mean, I didn't rank them in order. I just I just listed them out. They're not in order. All right, you have mankind above Ric Flair. Yeah, I do. I, I Ric Flair was never one of my favorites. Oh, okay. I guess it's a difference between your favorites, which this list makes total sense, and who you would put as the top four performance of all time. No, I still think those guys are better performers than Ric Flair, if that's what you're asking. Wow. By virtue of the fact that Ric Flair's performance has never won me over as a fan, so I would say that like, obviously something was missing from his performance or character or presentation that wasn't missing from the other mentioned. You know, it's so much of a shock to me that the limousine ride and jet flyman womanizer was not on the top of your list. (laughs) Yet the guy who would stick a hand in a sock and shove it down your throat is like against your will is just up there. I mean, he's part of the sadomasochistic um, schizophrenic, obviously. I I think that... so the reason sense. I put Mick Foley as high on the list as I do is I like that Mick Foley. I, I Mick Foley gets on there purely for what he's willing to put his body through, um, and like call it whatever character you want. But like I think that like he has done some of the like the most incredible matches that I've ever seen. And I know there's like a lot of dudes in Japan and a lot of the indie guys who are like running circles around him at this point, but. You know, from no. my years watching that, that's what I always got from that guy. So that's why he's right up there. You know, that's, that's interesting. You would say that because, sorry, Ethan sort of scoffed at the inclusion of Mick Foley there, but I actually made me realize that like as great and beloved as Mick Foley is, he's a Hall of Famer by anyone's standards. Um, he's maybe a little underrated because like when you factor in his in-ring career, his legendary matches with, both Vader in WCW all the way through to The Rock, like some of the most brutal matches of all time, his his death matches in Japan that he had, his matches in ECW, those promos yeah, in ECW, everything. Like he's the guy that won the belt when WWF beat, surpassed uh, WCW in the ratings for the final time where WCW never won again when he won the championship. So Mick Foley, I mean – I don't know if he's in the top five, but he's in the conversation for a top 10, I would say, objectively. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. On the one hand, I say to myself, okay, this guy's been in the business for over 30 years, performing in every major federation and having a, an impactful role in each of them. He is, as Sean said, one of the most entertaining characters in wrestling. He is by far, in at least in your top five or top 10, in terms of people who put on entertaining and brutal matches over his career. Uh, he's, he's played five different characters. Uh, with that being said, I think the reason why he often doesn't get put in the mixes of the Stone Colds, Ric Flair's, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, as, as, as probably top five performers of all time, is his... I guess in-ring wrestling ability is almost non-existent. He's an incredible performer. He can work the crowd. He's brutal, but I just don't I think when you think of these wrestlers, you also think of someone who's not that saying he's not a great worker, but he's definitely not a prototypical wrestler that you think about 
Yeah, I uh, guess when I'm <clears throat> when I'm filling out a top five, uh, f- like I, there's very few people that are like Rock is one of the only people that I think is like great at all of the things to the point where he's like definitely like my number one. Um, but like I think other people, I think like Bret Hart is on there because he's so technically great, and like I think Mankind is on there or Mick Foley is on there, and he's like at the opposite end of what makes mm-hmm. like Brett great and they balance each other out. And so like having them in the top five, I feel like makes a fuller top five, I guess, than just picking like, I don't know, wrestlers that I don't, that I don't necessarily feel had like, cause also you have to remember fully had like wider appeal and crossover beyond wrestling too. And then he had like New York his- times, New York times yeah. best-selling author. Yeah. Which is like not an easy thing to do. I just learned this fact today, but did you know that, since the New York Times has been running their best-selling uh, weekly column, which I think uh, was like in the early 1900s is when they started that, um, which they, there's been like you know, thousands of those weekly columns since. Um, there's only 233 names that have been named best-selling authors, authors over that time, partially because some books like Harry Potter, for example, stayed at the best, the top for like months and months. So it takes some of those weeks out of there because it's the same person getting named over and over. But in all that time, there's only 233 people on there. Um, and Mick Foley is one of them. So yeah. To <laughs> date, <you> know, <laughs> so that's what I'm saying is like, it's impressive that he also managed to then do, I, I don't know. So I, to me, you know, that's a big one. And, and I think it's important to wrestling when people have those big crossovers because it legitimizes it as a form of entertainment. Um, and I think that that's also like an important contribution to wrestling. So that gets you higher up on the list for me. Cool. Well, well, no doubt you're, you're, you're a WWF, WWE fan through and through. Yeah. And, you know, an entertainment fan on the wider, uh, wider scale as well, outside of wrestling, just, you know, into entertainment and the industry as a whole. Um, yeah. Any current favorites today? Um, hmm. Sami Zayn. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dude, man. I love that guy. That guy brought Scott into wrestling, which is something I never thought in a million years would happen. And then he kept it alive for many years. And, and he's like a good performer. He's a good worker. Uh, I like the guy. He's a big fan of his humanitarian work that he does. Yeah, he's adventures. a good person. Yep. Very outspoken about that. Um, Sean, have you ever heard of El Generico? I'm going to take that as a no, unless Sean got cut off. No, I don't. I was trying to think. No, I don't know what that is, who that is sure. at all. This isn't like a call out thing. Before, no, who is it? Before Sami Zayn was Sami Zayn, he was a luchador masked wrestler named El Generico. And Dave, I wonder if you can pull some like great old <laughs> El Generico matches well, to see how how Sean and I would enjoy them. Well, look up El Generico versus uh, Kevin Steen in Ring of Honor or anywhere. Um, <laughs> Kevin Steen is obviously Kevin Owens now in WWE. Uh, watch those. Watch any of those because they're fucking fantastic. But yeah, I mean any any of El Generico's Ring of Honor work is insane. Yeah, I was scrolling through Instagram recently and came across an El Generico, uh, oh my gosh, Kenny Omega match, which I'm really excited to go back and watch. Ooh, yeah, hell yeah. 
Oh yeah, that is amazing. That's amazing. So yeah, so for our wrestlers, for for our wrestlers, for for anyone who's a listener who doesn't actually know us but just is in it for the wrestling for some reason. Uh, <laughs> if what are you doing with your life? One if, and two. <laughs> if I wanted to ascribe a, a wrestling spirit animal to Sean Deep Pasquale, it would be Sami Zayn. Like that's that that is. Not just his favorite, but that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah, I like his personality. It reminds me of me. So that tracks. Yeah, it's if 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 Sean was a wrestler, would you be Sami Zayn? Or would you go with a different gimmick? No, I mean I would I would be Sami Zayn. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would basically do that would be my, my go to gimmick. I was I would be like, let me be like this awesome ska guy. Like I could make this work. <laughs> Promise. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna wear a Fidel Castro hat and skank to the ring. Yeah, and have like high energy and like you know, like be like the fun guy. Like I I don't know. I think that's a good gimmick because also well, we're like similarly sized. No, he's, so I feel like I dude, feel he's, like he's he's like the same height as Triple H. He's like six two, legit. Oh, is he tall? He doesn't look tall. He looks like a smaller dude to me. Uh, Maybe he's really tall. He's tall. He's pretty tall. Wow. He's lanky. But yeah. I hear you. I hear you. He's not like. Sami Zayn is 6'1, 212 pounds. Yeah, so, he's, so he's just not a like big, Sean. He's not a big buffo. He's basically my size. I am 6'1, 210. Yeah, you're so, not a big buffo either. What? We did push ups together in Colorado. I, I mean. Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn wishes he had Ethan's uh, <laughs> cut, cut <laughs> definition. Yeah, yeah and I, wish I had those pants. That's right. <laughs> so, so, so say we all. Not, not your your most hated as a person because yeah. I think we covered that. But like, okay. who's your most hated wrestler? Like heel? Like, yeah, who got the most heat from you? Like, who's your fucking? Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, this would be going back to like kayfabe times, you know. Um, I would have to say that like. When um, when uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was terrorizing Hulk Hogan, I didn't like that. I didn't appreciate that very much. That got a lot of heat. I was like real worked up about that. Um, also, that was, very, was, was very young, right? I was very young. So I was like, I believed it. And I was like, this is not okay. What's happening? Same with when Hogan got crushed by Earthquake. Remember when he sat on his chest and he like put Hogan in the hospital? That upset me a great deal. Also, <laughs> I did not. I was like, "What are they doing?" Um, you remember that? Oh yeah, of course. For for some reason, that's just like one of those moments that just like I, I think like just resonated with our generation. Like, holy shit, he sat on Hulk Hogan. Sat on Hulk Hogan, and he killed. He nearly killed the guy. <laughs> it was very upsetting. Um, very very upsetting. So I remember that. Uh, as being like that that's probably around the age or era that I would have been I, I mean I mentioned this on the show before but Papa Shango going after the Undertaker always and uh, and warrior always uh, ultimate warrior always got under my skin uh, like that was a hated heel of mine but I enjoyed it so much you know not and counting I, not counting the event that we went we to live yeah. yeah and we've covered um, yeah. you and I have watched some great events on TV together. Yeah. Um, either in my garage or at your parents' house. I, I remember yeah. one of them. So WrestleMania 14, which was Austin versus HBK, where Austin yeah. gets 
Winterfell for the first time. I think we were all there. Yeah. So that one was amazing. Um, WrestleMania 15 was then the next year, which was the first Rock versus Austin. And also, this is why I remember it was at, I watched this at your house, Sean, and Ethan, you were not there, but Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon, wrestled X-Pac for the European title. Yep. Um, WrestleMania 17, though, we all watched in my garage, all of us, and that was when um, Brock vs. Austin 2, when Stone Cold went heel at the end. And I almost went heel on you guys because um, I think Ethan threw a sock at Sean or threw a pillow at Sean. Someone was throwing something and it hit the chest, that, like a big wooden chest, like a pirate treasure chest that we <laughs> used as like an ottoman coffee table. And it was like stacked with like a million chips and leftover Papa John's pizza probably or pizza time and like a million cups of soda. And they all spilled over, and I fucking yelled at you guys. Remember any of those? Any of that? I feel like it was me. I, I feel think it like- was you. I think it was you. I think you were throwing it at Sean too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like whatever I it was. was it, I think I. I think it's like I didn't mean to do it. Right. And I felt bad for doing it, and it was stupid. Like the moment it left my hand, I'm like, this isn't a good idea. Speaking, of, there was like a time where I used to. Okay, the reason I know this is me is there was a time. <laughs> There was a time that I thought a girl was cute and I'm like sitting across like a table. I thought it would be funny or cute to throw ice cubes at them <laughs> across the table, which was just an absolutely horrible idea. So yeah. I feel like this is probably me. So you um, thought Sean was cute is what you were saying. Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> well, he is. So you, do you see the photograph that we're sharing in Slack right now? Thank you. It's true. Literally, we're all pictures of selfie. <laughs> Dave asked for selfies. I just said it. Sean's got Robert Pattinson in, in his, and Sean's outcuting him by far. It's yeah. true. Outcuting right. him by far. It's true. I often just sit my face next to his and go, God damn it, you ugly son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so out of out of those events, do any of those stand out as like your favorite? I can only pick those. No, no, or any other event so that you watch. I remember watching – I remember watching um, – uh, Shawn Michaels get th- thrown through a the window a windshield of a car with you. Oh yeah, um, and that stands out to me honestly as one of my favorite like times watching wrestling was like you, me, and I think Perry. And Perry was so terrified and very upset by it, <laughs> and he thought Shawn Michaels was dead. We fed into it. We were like, oh, shit. It was great. That stands out to me. And then as I I just mentioned, um, I do remember like I had – it was like probably, man, this was like before – this was like fifth grade probably uh, for whatever birthday that was. But it was like Hogan versus Warrior. And I remember we had a birthday party at my house. And like my friends and I all went into the backyard afterwards and like pretend wrestled, you know. It was great. That that always stood out to me as like one of my favorite times. Um, that was wrestling. That was when you would. That's when you would backyard wrestle with friends, but you never. Uh, you would never get in the ring with Ethan and I, as we discussed. Yeah, no, because we were just acted out storylines, and there was it was like a non-contact backyard wrestling mm. that we were doing. We were like little kids. Um, 
Yeah. So that those are some of my favorite favorite memories. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, yeah. so um this is a weird one, but I figure you might have an answer because you mentioned um No Holds Barred earlier actually. So yeah, yeah. do you have any favorite as a movie fan, any yeah. favorite like fictional wrestlers? Uh yeah. For example, I can tell you mine, but I don't want to Alright, well so I'll say Zeus. Zeus Bard. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, and then I'll also say the revolting blob from Billy Madison. Oh, great pick. Great pick. And last but not least, Captain Insano from Waterboy. Oh. Uh, uh, to Adam, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler has a lot of good fictional wrestlers in his movies. There should be an Adam Sandler stable. There should them. Be. Yeah. Yeah, but Captain Insano uh, was hilarious. One of my favorite parts of Waterboy. And the reveal of Revolting Blob is, of course, like one of the best parts of Billy Madison. Um, and, and you know who played the Revolting Blob, right? Uh, that wasn't Newman, right? No, no, no. This is this is for you. This is son of Broadway legend. Um, oh, he's Josh Mostel, uh, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mostel's yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's great. Awesome. Awesome. Ethan, do you have any favorite fictional wrestlers? Can you recall any off the top of your head? Oh, no, I was not prepared for this. And I thought to myself, Dave might ask me this question, even though we're interviewing Sean today and I should do some research and I didn't. That's okay. (laughs) Ethan doesn't really watch movies. So yeah, yeah, it's true. He like watches the Star Wars movies. So like his favorite fictional wrestler is the Rancor. Boba Fett. (laughs) The Rancor. He's mad that (laughs) <laughs> they put Luke, Luke Skywalker over him in, <laughs> yeah, in their cage match. Yeah, their cage match. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just gonna. I feel like we should should only cover this once. So unless Ethan, you know, wants to think about his answer. What's yours? Moment. I love Randy the Ram Robinson <laughs> from the wrestler. Oh, yeah, from the wrestler. Yeah, I think that was my Xbox 360 like Xbox name, but also. Shout out. You can't forget about Bonesaw McGraw. Oh, man. You know, I, I as I was making my Mount Rushmore, I was like, am I making a mystique not mentioning Macho Man at all? But ultimately, I decided no. Yeah, well, you know. He's still great. He's still great. But I don't think he's on my Mount Rushmore. And I don't think he quite makes it into that top five. But, man, he's definitely in my top ten, Macho Man. Well, rest his soul, because if he if he would have heard that news, he'd have definitely beaten your ass. But speaking, <laughs> um, but are there any? You know, obviously, because he's the Macho Man, he could beat anyone's ass. Of course. But, but do you think there's a wrestler that you could take in a fight? X Pac. You think you take X Pac in a fight, like now or like Ooh. in his prime? To and specify. Because there's a lot of wrestlers you can take Wait, currently. <laughs> I can take Xbox as a one, two, three kid. I can take Xbox as Xbox. I can take Xbox as a, a, a you know a drug addict, a severely severely damaged he's drug addict. Out. No, oh, no, I can he's take just Xbox as a recovering out. drug addict. I could do whatever. I could take Xbox literally any day of the week. In fact, this is a formal challenge to Xbox. Sean, if you're listening, I will fight you. Holy mm-hmm. shit! I. I, it, I I, I didn't know you were going to cut a promo against X-Pac right there. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, just yeah. To, My money's on six, by the way. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you know, he's actually just to, you know, be fair to our friend Sean, not our friend Sean, I've never met him. But um, he's living his life very cleanly now and, and I think he's just like does the weed and stuff. Oh well he'll cleanly get his ass beaten if he Ooh. fucking tries to take me on. So yeah, again, X Pac, if you wanna try to come to my house and you wanna try to do some shit to me, just know that I will bring the thunder on your like, ass. Like your house? Like is yeah. is Elizabeth? Yeah. She's yeah, like, he can come to my house. We're doing this in my living room. Living room fight. <laughs> Are, do Here's you hate list. Living room fight, no, D, no DQ, and I've got a brulee torch. <laughs> Ethan, what were you going to say? I wanna th- Here's my list of actual pro wrestlers that I think Sean could win in a fight against. Oh, great, great list. Kurt Angle. Starting Right. Kurt Angle now with another broken neck? Yeah, I think no, he could probably take Still no, still no. Number one, he could he could definitely take down Brad Maddox. No question about it. Brad Maddox uh, was cut. He was cut, but I don't think that he can work. And I think that, he, that Sean would get angry and Maddox just wouldn't want to, to – yeah, no. I think Sean yeah. has him for sure. We, yeah, we I, match before well, we do, i do have a high intimidation role yeah. <laughs> we joke but sean did study and practice kung fu for a long time that's oh, actually yeah. I practiced like a keto with you guys in the backyard before you're like the eric bischoff style wrestler that's it was right. not a keto yeah but yeah okay so number yeah. two eric bischoff <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i mean bobby the brain heenan uh no no no, no because bischoff actually wrestled no, Bischoff. Bischoff had a had a handful of matches, at least a dozen Honestly, matches over time. But I think Bischoff's a legit martial artist. Like I think he's actually legit. A black he's martial. a legit martial artist. Like Sean's a legit martial artist. And, and Stephanie still, McMahon. No, Stephanie no. McMahon would take you down <laughs> easily. <laughs> Eddie McMahon, Linda would beat the shit out of you. Sorry. Uh, that's true. <laughs> uh, what is this? Let's see. Hornswoggle. Uh, um, I'm gonna go with. What was Goldberg's twin? Gilbert, who was on Goldberg. Raw. He was on Raw last night. It was the best part of Raw. Oh, yeah. I'll yep. fight Gilbert, too. Yep. Gilbert, if you're listening, if you and X-Pac want to come here and fight me, I'll fight both of you at the same time. Let me tell you something about Gilbert, because he came out. It was Morrison and Miz. They were doing their like they were doing their, their segment and you know, their talk show segment, and they were going to have Goldberg on. They're hyping it all night. Goldberg's coming on. And instead, it was Gilbert. Gilbert came out and did the whole thing. He's in the trunks. And let me tell you something about Gilbert. Looks great. Looks great. Dwayne Gill. Looks oh. great. Like I said, no DQ. Living room match. You come to my house. Crimberly torch for X Pac. And then I got a bong that I'm gonna bust over your head. Fucking Gilbert. <laughs> Crimberly torch. <laughs> That's ah. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Do you hate Shane McMahon? I mean, do you hate um, X-Pac more because he's a Sean that's spelled S-E-A-N? Or yes. is it because you were such a Shane McMahon fan? Which um, And he had that legendary feud with, with him. The legendary feud just confirmed what I've always known, which is that all S-E-A-Ns are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. 
I have, I, I have a question. I have a question. Yes. Is this an, have we heard enough from me? And the answer is we probably have. Um, it's been an hour. I don't know how much people care about any of this. Honestly. But we got some good stuff. I think we got some very funny wrestling content in there. I loved it. I learned a lot about you as a wrestling fan because in the past, <laughs> you've said insane things like Ultimate Warrior is the best. He had the best matches. Yeah. Like whether he's famous for having terrible matches. So it was great to have you, you know, your your honest opinions that you really thought about and held to your heart. And it was yeah. great to hear about uh, fucking great grandpa Bernard. Yeah, but, man, pop pop, pop for pop. life. Man, that guy was great. He also, he also, I have still to this day, I have all of his like discharge paperwork from from the military, and in that folder. <clears throat> there's a story about a clown named uh, uh no sorry a, a hobo named banjo who's wears clown makeup and like he basically wrote this story and he wanted to like make it he wanted it to be like mr rogers he wanted it to be like this like educational beautiful thing for kids and it's like his like pitch for it that he wrote out is filled with all these like cool like like kind of socialist ideals of like things to teach kid about like the environment and like being nice to people and it's like, like mutual politics. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And, and then what's interesting though is also in this folder is all of these rejection letters that he got from oh. different places that he sent it to. But one of them is from Nancy Reagan <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, this is great, but like, I don't think it exactly fits with like my program or whatever fucking shit, but it's like signed by her. <laughs> it's a high profile rejection letter, right? Actually, that's, that's fucking cool. Pretty cool. I thought that was, yeah, it was always like one of the cooler things that I didn't learn about him until after he died. And someone was like, oh, you should have these like records of his. And I was like, cool. And then he had all this stuff stuffed into the back of it. I, um, I, I, I didn't get to meet my great grandfather. I didn't get to meet like one of my grandfathers. So. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I definitely consider myself lucky. Well, yeah. well, well, I know Ethan's champion at the bit. So enough about Grandpa Bernard. Now that brings us into our area of expertise from our social media lawyer. It, of course, is. I have a lot of questions about this, and we cover this from time to time. It is trademark wars. Now, trademark sports has been a little mellow lately. Like, so far, so much is that, like, I think our last one was just like trademark happenings. But, yeah. but but this week, shots were fired in what looks to be a, a pretty brazen move as Tony Khan and apparently a humongous set of balls, along with AEW, has filed to trademark the, the phrase term too sweet. You know, T-O-O sweet. No, just no, no alteration, just fucking too sweet. Um, mm-hmm. On on Dynamite last week, in, in one of the great moments of modern wrestling television, the Young Bucks joined up with the Good Brothers uh, from Impact and Kenny Omega to close out um, Dynamite, and they were all doing the fucking too sweet, you know, uh, wolf packing each other um, in the middle of the ring. 
Um, and obviously WWE claims to own this, um, because, you know, this is a thing, this is a gesture that was made famous by the click and the NWO. Um, it's been used by various pro wrestlers all over the years, including DX, but also, um, New Japan's Bullet Club and its various alumni around, around the world, um, like the ones we just mentioned, but also Finn Balor and AJ Styles. But WWE is like, this originated with the NWO and WCW, which WWE purchased in 2001, owns all copyrights. So, you know, suck it. <laughs> um, so this is crazy. Like, Ethan, as a intellectual property law expert and trademark lawyer, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so my thoughts are that Tony Khan's balls aren't as big as you think that they are. And what I mean by that is I think that AEW's got a pretty good shot at getting the rights to this. And let's talk about why. So uh, one, of the, one of the backdrops here is that the members of the Young Bucks, back when they were in New Japan wrestling, were, uh, were doing their too sweet gimmick. Yeah. And allegedly, the WWE sent them a cease and desist letter saying they own all the rights and uh, and threatened a hundred and fifty thousand dollar copyright infringement lawsuit against the Young Bucks for using the Too Sweet moniker. So now, what's important to know is that Tony Khan is filing a trademark, not a copyright. So let's first talk quickly about the differences between those two, and then apply them here. A yeah. trademark is a name moniker that's connected to any type of uh, product or service. Okay, a copyright is a creative work, like a dance, a song, a movie. Uh, a book, a screenplay, things of that nature. So what the WWE seemed to be saying before is by doing the same, putting your two fingers together and using the too sweet gimmick and putting the too sweet gimmick or, or words or moniker onto clothes, you're violating our copyright. Meaning we have used this creative element before in our TV show through NWO and the click so you can't, you know, duplicate this and kind of copy our work. Personally, I think it's a pretty shit claim um, because I don't think that there's anything about the two suite that just happens to appear in a TV program that makes it copyrightable per se. So I don't know if WWE's letter at the time was, was more because they had a, a strong legal basis or because they were pissed because the Young Bucks, quote unquote, invaded WWE the night before. And kind of ruffled some feathers and pissed them off a bit. That was great. You got to watch that on on Being the Elite. That's like classic BTE when they did the invasion. It was like they did the DX invasion back to WWE. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So here, Tony Khan, is, uh, Tony Khan or AEW is filed for a trademark over the terms in connection with clothing uh, and in connection with entertainment services in the field of wrestling. And as you know, because our second, our, t our, our number two listen to episode ever on this podcast mm -hmm. is Trademark Wars. As we all know. That's right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll play second fiddle to Macaulay Culkin. Um, but on the Trademark Wars episode, WWE has a history of not protecting their trademarks properly, which allowed Cody Rhodes and AEW to file a whole bunch of trademarks. And you've even now seen Arn Anderson file a trademark for the Four Horsemen. So I think that Tony Khan here, it, it's not as a, maybe it's a bold move from a competition standpoint. 
But from an intellectual property standpoint, if you didn't protect your trademarks, well, now you're giving somebody else the right to do so. But here's something that's really interesting. So I went to the trademark registration itself to see if I could figure out what evidence, if any, that um, AEW is submitting along with this trademark application as support of the fact that they should have the exclusive rights to do so. Meaning in order to get a trademark, you have to have something that is trademarkable, that does not create a likelihood of confusion with someone else's trademark that was filed before yours, and evidence that you're actually using the words too sweet in commerce in connection with clothing or in connection with putting on wrestling events. And there's no evidence in the file. In fact, when you file a trademark application, you have a choice. You can either file what's called a Section 1A trademark saying, I have already used the trademark in commerce. Here is evidence and here's the first date that I used it so I can get a priority from a trademark standpoint. Or you can file what's called a Section 1B application, which technically means I'm not using the trademark in commerce at this time, but I have a good faith intention to use the trademark at some point in the future. And you have about three years worth of extensions that you can file to actually start using the trademark. So what they're saying is we're not actually using this trademark yet, but we plan to do so in the future. That's really interesting to me because that means they either A, don't have any evidence to point to that they've actually used Too Sweet, not just as part of the TV show, but in connection with the promotion of the wrestling events or with clothing. But what's war, their trademark attorneys effed up because this application can't be changed. Meaning if they were like, oh no, oops, we actually started using Too Sweet on our show, let's say last year or three months ago, they're going to have to somehow try to explain how they signed an affidavit saying everything was true in this application that they're not using it yet. So I can't tell if this is from a strategy standpoint or from an oversight standpoint, but as a trademark lawyer, I'm really interested in the fact that they filed a 1B application saying that they're intending to use Too Sweet as a trademark at some point in the future. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely keep me up to date on that because this is the kind of shit you know that I live for. Obviously, it's NWO involved. It's uh, you know trademark, uh, creative property based, and it's the real shit. I mean, that's there. You know, to me, to me, despite the fact that like, if you can get it or not get it from a trademark law uh, perspective, from a legal perspective, like to me, even going after that, you know, is just stealing. Like, it's just fucking stealing shit that other dudes came up with that other people came up with that was like their thing that, uh, you know, like it's just, it's just slimy to me. Like I understand if WWE didn't, you know, didn't uh, let themselves kept themselves unprotected there and WWE probably do it the same thing. But like um, when they, when they posted that, uh, when that happened, Kevin Nash, uh, I think commented like on the picture saying like, Hey, where's my cut of that? You know, because they're just doing like other people's bits. And like, that's fine. Like tribute, which it kind of, they got away with in, in New Japan. Like it was a tribute. It wasn't on American soil. But like, to me, it's fucked up. I don't know. I, I hear you on this one because with Arn Anderson, he was the kind of one of the creators of the Four Horsemen. And now Arn Anderson himself is in AEW. 
which is a little bit different from this one where Hall and Nash were doing it first, then the Bullet Club did it later. So it's not really AEW's fault because they were doing it in New Japan Wrestling. Um, and, and it's gotten really over. But at the same time, I'm trying to think to myself, what other types of gimmicks? Like if, if, if the WWE as a federation or as a company owned really the like, I don't know, goodwill to use all the gimmicks that they have had over the years and other companies just to keep coming up with new shit. Well, that's just kind of not fair because there's only so much finite stuff that you can use in the world of wrestling. Not to say that it's not, you know, unlimited in its creativity, but wrestlers move from show to show. It's some things just become, I don't know, part and parcel of the culture as opposed to tied to a particular individual or individual company over time, I think. Oh, that's interesting. That's true. Like in the same way that like the DDT started out as right. the Snake Roberts is, you know, finisher. And then now it just spread on to become like a, a part of everyone's moveset kind of thing. Exactly right. Bingo. And the DDT was actually one of the analogies that I wanted to work with. But I was like, oh, let me not stick to a move and instead stick to something creative. But yeah, that's the exact example. It's just like any type of art form, acting, music, etc. People will adopt these elements and, and use them over time because there's only so many kind of elements that exist. So this one's this one's... This one's going to be interesting to see. So when are we going to get an update on this? Because I know that all you guys listening out there can't wait for the next episode of Trademark Wars. Uh, Procedurally, how this works is as follows. Once you file a trademark, the trademark office doesn't even look at it for three and a half months. Okay, so the WWE can't even file anything at that time. At that point, the trademark office is going to decide uh, whether to preliminarily approve the application or not. Assuming it does, an entire another month will go by, and then the application will be what's called published for opposition, which gives the members of the public a 30-day period to file an objection, and that's where we would hear from WWE during that 30-day period. So stay tuned five and a half months from now for your next update on the Too Sweet Trademark Wars. <laughs> well, um, in 2017, though, um, WWE was reported to have issued a cease and desist to the Young Bucks over their use of the term um, and using the hand signal in their merchandise. You know, even so much so that they claim that WWE asked the Young Bucks to submit a written agreement saying they will not use the gesture in other promotions ever again. Um, they made a lot of money selling a lot of shirts of them, like holding it up and then it being like cease and desist censored out. Um, and which is great, you know, like good way to play it off. But did they really get served a cease and desist? That letter of demand letter from the WWE, as Ethan and I were discussing earlier, has never showed up anywhere, right? Um, unless Ethan found it um, earlier. Um, no, but uh, but 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 Young Bucks. I know you guys listen to this show every week, so uh, you know. Hit us up <laughs> with, the, with the cease and desist letter, and I'll evaluate its its merits right here live on the podcast. That's true. We'll do that live well, on the podcast. Well, OG OG Bullet Club member and uh, you know current member of the Bullet Club, uh, also Tamatanga has been saying for a while that this is bullshit. That this is a work by the Bucks. He said it, it's my favorite lie recently on Twitter. They never got that letter, um, so. You know, is the whole thing a work? You know, that's 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 why I love wrestling. Yeah, totally. Well, we'll see. Because I'm I'm not I'm not going to confront Tamatanga about anything. <laughs> he's a monster. He's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ethan, for honestly, I, you know, that that is probably the more the most expert take into the trademark situation, the copyright situation, into the too sweet um, uh, IP that you're going to find right, right now in wrestling media. So, yeah, I hope people hear it. Is that the end of trademark wars segment? That's the end of trademark wars. Oh, hold on, I gotta, I gotta think for this. <clears throat> hey, hey, it was the trademark wars. You never were sad and you never got bored. Hey, hey, that was the trademark wars with Ethan Wall. It's good for you all. Wow, That's, I like it. We should copyright that. It's a new closeout song for the. For the- <laughs> Trademark wars. I figured you like pump them up at the beginning and then you go to like a nice, like comforting end. You know, I need, I need one of our millions and millions of listeners to take that song and, and <laughs> remix this. And shove it up their candy. <laughs> <laughs> not, not only did Sean have a surprise song for that, but it was a surprisingly tender song. Yeah. Was that, wanted- was that Bell and Sebastian? <laughs> it was wonderful. No, that was a Sean original. That wow. was a Sean special. I made that, made that up on the spot. I was so moved by this week's episode of Trademark Wars. Time for another segment that I think we desperately need a theme for because I would really like to pad this show out with 45 minutes of theme songs if we can. <laughs> oh, we should, uh, we should get a jam band to do it. <laughs> we need a house band. Uh, but now it's time for Dave's Shirt of the Week. Take it away, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that Tuesday sweet note um that we were discussing just before um it's fucking freezing it's not 90 degrees or 60 degrees um it's fucking cold as windy as shit out here in long island but i'm bundling up with my two dudes with attitude jacket which is based on one of my past vintage shirts of the week um my holy grail two dudes with an attitude shirt uh it's like an all over print but underneath that I have one of my more recent um, classics. My, it's a more newer, a more newer. It's a, it's a more recent um, vintage shirt, and that's the Bullet Club Young Buck shirt, which is a great shirt. But you know, you can't get that anymore. They they don't do that no more. But they were too sweetened it up in New Japan, and uh, I love the color scheme. Um, and if you're looking to get your hands on your own vintage wrestling holy wrestling T-shirt, Holy Grails. Um, I've talked about this account in the past. Again, this isn't like a sponsor or anything. This is just as a vintage wrestling fan, uh, t-shirt wrestling fan, you might want to check this out. Top Shelf Wrestling Finds Instagram this Friday, January 22nd at 5 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. They're doing a Royal Rumble auction. They're going to have some of the best collectors and sellers out there auctioning off some insane pieces. I've seen some dead stock. You guys know what dead stock means? Nope. The tag it was on, the killed. The tags on it. It's like it, it's like you stepped into a store in nineteen ninety, you know, six, and just bought the shirt. It's like an unused vintage tags on fresh shirt, super crispy. So I've seen them have some like dead stock, insane Reese Ramon shirts, like uh, a lot of the all over print shirts that everybody loves. That me especially. Well, actually, not everybody loves them, but. I really do, but they're fucking awesome. So a lot of them are very expensive, but it's honestly, it's worth watching. So check that out. Yeah, if you're into collectible shirts, you definitely want to check out a collectible shirt auction that we are gladly plugging and not getting paid for, but would happily- No, but Chad's a good guy. He's a good guy. 
happily work out some type of sponsorship deal with that dude because he's a good guy and we do love his products he could just send me uh, shirts and then i'll talk sure. about him. and on that note uh ethan where can people send shirts to you if they want to send shirts to you virtually only over the internet yeah if they want to send shirts to me well they shouldn't slide into my dms but you can slide in the dm of wrestling with friends you can find us on Instagram at Wrestling With Friends, on Twitter at WWF Podcast, or if you want to just show your love for me to the world, you should go where the world is right now. And that's the Wrestling With Friends Facebook group on, well, you know it, Facebook. And Dave, uh, where can people reach out to you to sponsor the podcast? That's where the world's at. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, no, you can uh, DM any of our social social media handles where I regularly check uh, what's coming in. But also, speaking of social media handles, on Twitter, I'm Dave, at Dave Cush, one word, obviously, uh, D-A-V-E-K-U-S-H. And on Instagram, it's the same thing, but there's a period right between my first and last names. So it's D-A-V-E period K-U-S-H. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Wrights, but more importantly, you can find the podcast uh, on anchor.fm slash WWF pod. It's my anchor sound for some reason. Why would you, why would you step right over me giving the website out? Though? Uh, uh. You can find the podcast on anchor.fm slash WWF pod, uh, where you can do this cool thing and support the podcast. If you want to support us in some way, that'd be super cool, but also you can leave us a message. So click on the message button and leave messages so we can play them on the show. Also, you can listen to the podcast, of course, on Apple Podcasts, where you should like, subscribe, and review because that helps more people find the show and Google and now something called Breaker, if that's your thing, or Pocket Casts, if that's your thing, or Radio Public, or Spotify. Uh, we're all over the place. We're just like spread around like some type of podcasting jelly on a podcast listening bread I lost, I lost the thread on that one. But anyway, we're like. Look, yeah. if your news resolution was like Dave's, do something nice for somebody each day, and you haven't done anything over the last 20 days of 2021, just go ahead and like and subscribe our podcast on all 20 of those channels that Sean just mentioned to you. That's right. Wrestling with friends. And on that note, Dave, sing the song, Take Us the Hell Home. Because we're wrestling, yeah. Wrestling with yeah. friends. Who we wrestling with? We're wrestling with. Yeah, I'm drinking alone. Yep. <laughs> what does it get any better? Wrestling with friends. Yeah. This is Wrestling with Friends, we're your friends! This podcast is a Mobius strip nightmare and I love it. We're on, buddy.